Welcome to episode 12 of The Slide Area. Once again, I'm your host, Ed Pedersen. And as promised, we have the legendary Jeremy Spencer of Fleetwood Mac and Beyond on this episode. And Jeremy and I talk about Mac. We talk about three guitar bands. We talk about what they did. We talk about amps. We talk about guitar setups, what strings he uses, his love of Mexican strats. We cover a lot of uh, influences. We cover a lot of uh, ground with this one, and I think you'll get out of it as much as I did, and it was a really great chat. We had a little technical difficulties. I was talking to him while I was in London, and he's in his home in Ireland, and one of the microphones got a little wiggy on the phone, a little interference, but we cleared that up for the most part. It was mostly on my mic. Um, so it may sound a little weird at times, but we did a little denoising, a little, little uh, wizardry, and I think we pulled it out of the hat. So um, that aside, it, I think you'll, you'll really enjoy this. So let's talk to Jeremy Spencer. What I'd like to know is, yeah, so Elmore James was, was it's, you know, it's, it's really obvious, was a big influence, but when you first started playing, were you playing standard tuning and then switched to open tuning, or were you always... Yeah. Yes, I was I was just, um, before that, playing Buddy Holly was my biggest um, influence guitar-wise, I would say. But then as soon as, in art college, I got to hear Elmore James. Um, it was obscure, one track on a on, a, on an album, a blues album, and I just, you know, I was really taken by it and wanted to, just how does he do that? <laughs> uh, and somehow, I don't know what ha whether how I fell on the open tuning idea. Nobody told me about it. Um, I tried in the standard, but it, it just didn't work. It, it, something was just not clicking. Um, it sounded like, uh, it sounded real what it was. I played a little bit of lead then, you know, but like a lead player trying to play slide, you know, sort of, sort of sound to it. Um, and then uh, after an accident, I was laid up with my leg uh, in a, in a, in a uh, splint for six weeks. And then during that time, I managed to get some an album of Elmer James and uh, I sat there with my leg up and for six weeks sitting there just listening to every lick and learning it. So, so okay, so, but you didn't know that it was open tuning? You just figured it out no, yourself? No, I didn't. I just sort of, because at that time a, a hit record was out called Colors. Where is the color of my tune, sir, by Donovan. Yeah, yeah. And I knew that he used an open tuning to play that. And I thought, oh, maybe if I try that, uh, if that's what the secret is, because I play piano, that's what I learned on, just music, the bass, you know, and some of that. So I kind of had a bit of a musical um, education, you know, enough to sort of think, well, that does that there. Not too technical, but it just sort of dawned on me, I've, you know, that that's what he did. Hmm. <laughs> In this, um, and since then, I went through a period of, of neglecting the slide for, until I um, dropped the pick. And I started to see that you could deaden certain strings and 
and get a very clean tone without any harmonics from any other strings. And so it's like, kind of like playing a harp, you know, you, you deaden certain strings and play one and then play, you know. And so that opened up. And so since then, when it was mid-90s, um, I've just stuck with it. I just can't, don't want to really want to play anything else. Um, <laughs> and so it's like, in a way, I've just discovered things about slide that I had not realized before. Hmm. So I had a late, I was with a late bloomer in really taking it somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the finger, you know, I was talking to Sonny Landreth about this, and um, mm -hmm. the finger part of it, especially using the right hand individual mm -hmm. fingers for damping specific strings, yes. it's just magic. I know, yeah, absolutely. Because what happened was I traded my SG, which had a wider neck, uh, for a PRS. And the PRS was a 20, 20 or some fret with a very thin neck, thin, narrow, you know. And so with a pick, it was just not easy to sort of stick around. So I just thought, you know, I'm just gonna just put the pick down. And, well, I'd always wanted to learn that about playing with the fingers because there's something about, and what really got me was because Albert King did that. And I would try to imitate Albert King's playing with the slide during the days of Fleetwood Mac, and I bought even bought, bought a Flying V in order to do so. But um, it just didn't sound the same, and I just thought, it must be something to do with him playing with his fingers, you know, that gets that, it's a, there's no two notes sound the same, but I just didn't really have the confidence to try myself until, like I said, in the mid-90s. But for, uh, during that period, then I heard Albert Collins after Albert King, actually, but Albert Collins was the one who influenced Albert King, strangely enough. Um, and he played with fingers, and that was another, I could see that was something about the tone. There's something about the, maybe the attack is not as as jarring or something, you know, because it's a finger. And so then, then I've heard, and, and quite honestly, I was so bored with the Les Paul traffic going by, the noisy speed freak. That's <laughs> more martial sound. <laughs> and when I heard, um, then I heard Mark Knopfler. And that just completely, I said, now, huh, now we're, somebody's talking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, I, I wanted to get that sound, with, but using the slide. And um, so I could see, well, then, like I said, you know, they, that, with that moment of dropping the pick was just a, from there on, I hardly, as I sweet, I picked up to play kind of lead, you know. Or, anyway, that's how that came about. And, and I got the sort of the Albert King, to my knowledge, to my, you know, my mind, I think, closer to what I've been trying to get at all these years. Wow. So, so are you using a thumb pick, or is it all flesh? All flesh. Wow. I tried, it, I tried where I could have the pick sort of sandwiched between, you know, I would have it in one finger and then do it with the fingers, but that was a bit, a bit cumbersome. I tried it with the, uh, with the thumb pick, 
but that was the notes that I wanted to play with the thumb were exactly the ones I wanted to have soft on the bass and things, you know, so. Yes. Uh, I guess you're getting all this. Yes, yes. Well, th that's fascinating to me because I felt exactly the same way. Really? Yeah, I tried the thumb pick. I, I really, really, really tried it, and it just doesn't feel right. No, it doesn't. It, it, some people can do it very well, but they make that almost their main, the main um, like a pick. They use it almost like a pick. And it gets that, if you need that, well, that's good. But I found it really clunky or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was also just the, the tone of it was a little harsh. Yes, exactly. Um, well, okay, so when you were playing slide with with Fleetwood Mac, you were playing with a pick? Yes. And were you using your fingers at all, like a Nashville cross-picking, or just all no. pick? No, just a pick. A uh, heavy, heavy gauge, heavy gauge pick. Huh. And have your... That's fascinating, because you had a really unique attack and tone. Um, and so you were using a Les Paul back then, right? No, no, I was using, well, I used an a, a SG for a while, after about 1970, through till, through till I got rid of it in, in exchange for the PRF in the mid-90s. But, uh, um, I don't know, just to, I was starting to lose interest, losing interest in the slide, and I don't, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know what you, what, uh, well, I used the, uh, the Flying V for a while, but the main thing I used, and I went back to during that time, was the cello bodies, the cello body uh, electrics, like the Gibson, what's it, um, who, the one I used at the Chicago Blues Session. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I remember seeing that one. I remember seeing you play it in some videos. Um, I re I've seen the Flying V. Some people mentioned something about a gold top, but I don't think you were... That's right. Yes, I had a gold top just before I left Fleetwood Mac. For about a year or so, I used a gold top Hoffner. Uh, Hoffner Ferritin. Okay, that's what it was. Now, and, and I found I was a bit more comfortable with that than the solid body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, were these guitars always set up a little higher than standard guitars? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but then I have to, I, I like to play in between, play finger lead to fill or riffs. Right. So it has to be low on the bass strings and kind of springy on the, on the, on the, um, on the treble strings. So it has a bit of a, not so, so tight that you can't press it down, you know, but then not too flat so you get fret buzz. So it's, it's a tricky thing to make it just right. Yeah, you, you had to work kind of hard at, at that, getting the right person to set them up, or did you do them yourself back in the I day? <laughs> really? Uh, but uh, that's why I like the, the, I like the wraparound bridges, you know? Yeah, yeah. Then they just draw them the individual little. They can be sometimes tricky to to just get right, you know. Yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. Now, so and what? How heavy are your strings that you've been using all these years? Has that changed uh, at all? For quite a while, I used tens, 
to 10 to 42, I think, I'm not sure. But then I dropped it back down to 9 and just raised it a little bit. It's pretty light for slide, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, 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 if, high, if it's just the right height, you don't get the buzz. And, you, and, it has, and then you are able to, to take a note and trill it with the fingers if you need to, you know? Yeah, that's really helpful, actually. Um you know, some there. It, it's you've just got a marvelous touch that helps a lot too. So, <laughs> well, I think that's that's really what it is. You know. Yeah. It's light. You know, it's like sometimes people pick up the guitar, which I'm like one time Jeff. You know, he picked up my guitar and I had it plugged in, and he's a, he plays slide sometimes, and he played. He was Jet Martin. You know him? Yeah. Oh yeah, okay. John Martin, and he goes, "Well, you know, he, he played his note and ding and boom." You know? I said, "Yeah, I just I have it quite loud, but I play it very softly." <laughs> <laughs> and somebody else mentioned that too. I think the guy sold, sold me the Amistar. <laughs> Did you? Uh, how many? Um, when you when you were a lad and you switched from standard to slide. How, and you were, you know, you were laid up for that six weeks and that obviously got you kick-started, but how many hours a day were you practicing before you were like, okay, I can go out and do this in public? Um, oh, I, that's hard to know because it was hard to say. I would, you know, I'd be reading a lot, but then and listening a lot. So, I know it's every day I was picking it up and right. listening. Um, but I don't even, you know, it's funny because I don't even call it, I think it was like practicing because it all just seemed to, seemed to come so naturally in a way, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you were obsessed. But then I just, I failed to be, the thing I look back on, I failed to be original. <laughs> that was what, you know, and I thought, well, I, and, and, and I remember the boys and the guys used to come can, can you look take it somewhere you know can you get stuff and, because they were developing Pete and Danny were getting ideas and they were taking it into a different realm and I, I just don't know I felt stymied and then it was it wasn't until after I after I left that I don't know why that was I was getting little drips and drabs of ideas but didn't really want didn't think, oh, no, that's not good, you know. Um, and it was a different time, you know, the, the sort of the stuff that was was getting popular at that time was the psychedelic and the progressive rock and all of that. And I had absolutely no interest in it. And I started listening a lot more to country music, American <laughs> country music, and that was anathema to the hippies, you know, so. <laughs> hey, uh, so that brings me to an interesting question. So, one of the most, you, you know, you had a very unique, you had three guitars in that band. And, yeah. and sometimes, you know, I've watched some of the old clips, so it's in some of the clips it's obvious, but a lot of people have a question, well, who was doing what? You, were you playing most of the slide and was Peter playing? How did you work out the three guitar thing? Well, on stage, it was very rarely the three of us, except on my numbers. Right. They would, you know, because they would have riffs going, which in, 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 in retrospect, I didn't see the need for that, you know. For me to come up, you have two guitarists 
unpacking. It was just a bit too much. And it would have only worked if we sort of orchestrated something that could have had the three. So um, it looked a bit like a phalanx. <laughs> 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 um, so it, well, no, it didn't. It, and on record, uh, I don't. It wasn't very rarely on record. It was all three of us. So, so it was really like if it was your song, you were playing slide and maybe the lead parts or whatever the riffs were, and then the you know one of the other guys would come in and add some things or not, right? The, yeah, well, they would mainly do the riffs. They would do the riffs, and so slide was in that band. It was your you were the slide guy mostly. Yeah, 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 sure. Because that's what I always thought, and there are some people going, well, no, but, you know, so who's it did this on that? And I'm like, okay, you guys are on the internet too much. <laughs> some of those questions, I, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it, you know to, it is, I can understand the curiosity with some people when you have a three-guitar band, because... You know, nowadays, if you do that, you really have to put a lot of thought into who does what. Oh, absolutely. It could have worked. We could have done stuff like that and we'd get more. But see, for the record, on the recordings, Pete would have a slight idea and he, he would come to me and say, can you play it? And I would say, so, well, you know what you want to do. Why didn't you just overdub it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, really, because I wasn't that involved with with the, 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 the creation of those things, like, you know, the Green Man Lishi and things like this, so. Yeah, yeah. You know, but, but you know, the, the, your personality was definitely a strong imprint in my, you know, in my opinion. Um, but the slide stuff is what attracted me to that. Well, you're talking about the first two, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Two albums, I mean, the first two British albums. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then and Kiln House was... See, and then Danny, with his, what he was doing, there was not really much call for Sly for what he wanted, you know? So, his was more the lead guitar and riff stuff, you know, so... Um, That's an interesting, it was an interesting period for guitar, you know? Um, oh. oh, yeah. I mean, everything was just growing by leaps and bounds. So you're now you're playing PRS. Uh, well, actually, my favorite guitar is a handmade one made by a Norwegian luthier, Jan Inga Kavisla. <laughs> okay. Please put a little plug in for him. I will, especially since I'm Norwegian. You're Norwegian? <laughs> yeah, yeah, my father was, was from Norway. Yeah. Well, because you sound American, but. I know. Oh, yeah. I know. Okay, oh, yeah, please do. <laughs> Jan Inga, Jan Inga Kavisla, you can send us a link. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll look him up. That's fantastic. That'll be that'll be a neat little twist. He, uh, I had to borrow a Crafter guitar for a Norwegian uh, television early morning television program, and which I played Maria uh, de Santiago, I think, and and um, he saw me playing this Crafter, and he got in touch with me. He said, "Look, I'm a luthier. I'll make you a guitar to spec. Whatever you want, just pay for the." Uh, for the hardware, you know, uh, the pick, the, the pickups and the, the tuning pegs and stuff. And so I, I said, oh yeah, make it, you know. And uh, it's uh, and he worked with it's a solid body, but it has sound chambers, which 
gives it this extra warmth on the it's not just it's not like um, a PRS which are nice there's PRS which are semi hollow you know this is it's shaped like a PRS because I like that shape um, a, a mixture between a, a Les Paul and a Strat and it's just perfect and that's I don't know it just seemed to be able to get the right feel out right sound and everything from it. What type of pickups you got in that? Uh, P90s. Nice. And he said, he said, look, you you, you play slide, so you, you don't get a, don't use humbuckers, you know. And uh, I, I, since that day, I agree because the times I've used humbuckers, I can't get that warmth at a low volume. You know, when I turn the pickup way to the volume knob, it's something just sort of goes, it sort of drops really fast. Yeah. And you get very thin, almost, it doesn't, you know, when the P90s, they noisy a little bit, but they still retain a, their tone as you lower the volume. And plus it sounds more real, you feel the, you hear the wood more maybe. <laughs> I would say, because I've got P90s in one, of, one or two of my guitars, and it just sounds better when I'm playing slide, honestly. Absolutely, and he's not the only one who's told me that. Um, and and I just now and at that time I wasn't totally convinced until I tried it with P90s, um, and I realized that well I should have should just always stick with that, you know. Yeah, I know. I, it took me a long time to get there, but now I request it whenever I have a a guitar made and. I've switched between a few, but it, it, basically my main performing ones always have at least one P90, even if it's in the neck, you know? It just... You mean just, oh, I see, up there. In the neck position, at least, you know? I've got, I've got one with a, with a Fralin noiseless Telecaster in the bridge, um, which is great for, like, you know, to get that extra edge for rhythm or something. Um, but but for slide the P90 just does it you know I, I I can see why you do that and so that's your main guitar then the Norwegian guitar yeah yes I do have a uh, I traded the that PRS with with a friend in Detroit uh, for a a, a, P, a PRS with three P90s because I needed for some studio work I needed to be able to get the five ways to the five way tone. And and because they're P90s, they're, they're a bit fatter, warmer than than the Stratocaster um, single coils. You know, you don't, which has a bit of that tone to it, that in between sort of, I don't know what you, a bit like. Uh, that out of phase thing? That out of phase tone, you get it, but it's a little bit, it almost sounds when you switch it between, it sounds a bit like an oboe. When you switch it between the one, the, first, the neck one and the middle one, right? I could talk, 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 you know. Yeah, yeah, I love that sound, especially to switch it up a little bit. So now that's something maybe for your interest. There, I often think of it in terms of uh, a wood, an instrument like a saxophone or a, even a clarinet or a soprano sax, or you know, usually there's horns, you know. Yeah. And I, Sometimes I like it to sound like a trumpet a bit. Like I listen to some of those things, the old stuff, and go, oh, that would be interesting to do it a bit like using the slide, you know. Yeah, well, it's great to be able to hop 
worn parts when you can, you know. A lot of the, a lot of the riffs uh, that I liked, liked them, picked up on, I've been from the saxophone, hearing a saxophone, or I don't, and I think you asked me the question what other slide plays I listen to. I don't, because I haven't really, you know, I, I think they're, they're good, the Sun Landreth and Raikuda, and, and they're definitely slide players, which I, which I like that. I like, if I hear a slide player, I like, no, oh, he's a slide player. He's not a lead player trying to play slide, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it's definitely his métier. So you um, don't really keep up on with the Derek trucks and the new kids? I to him and he's, he's excellent, but it's, uh, I, I don't know, that's his style and, you know, he's very, very good. Um, it's pretty far from what you do, though, I guess, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, he is. He, I, I like to, like, I don't know if you've heard any of my new stuff, newest, latest stuff, but... Um, like a lot of instrumentals I like to do and but uh, the, in the early days of the slide I didn't listen I listened to Homesick James I liked him uh, um, but then I would listen to the country guys like um, Mississippi John Hurt um, Blind Millie McTell Sunhouse um, and I and I was a bit out of step with with some you know I didn't really think that the slide the blues began and ended with Robert Johnson, you know. So so um, so you heard these other guys like Mississippi John Hurt, etc., yeah. who were who were not slide people and maybe you adapted it to your own thing on the slide, yeah? But they I think they use they use the slide. Sometimes, yeah. Mississippi John Hurt used the slide. Or Mississippi John Estes and Willie Johnson and and Willie Johnson and Brian Willie McTell used the slide too. That sort of thing. The more tuneful, sweeter stuff I like. That's know? more song based. Yes, yes. Well, that's really what you do. To me, when I hear you play, it's always serving the song. Yes, yes. Because you're a songwriter, you know? So, you know, it makes total sense. Um, I have uh, one question that uh, a friend of mine asked me. Um, because, and this is probably a, a very strange question, but he, uh, he, he heard I was going to be interviewing you, uh, and he wrote to me on my website. And he said, he said that in 1966, he was um, living in San Leandro, California, and you guys came through and... He had borrowed a 50s Stratocaster from a local music store, and he was learning guitar, and it, he returned the guitar, and then when he went back to buy it, they told him that Jeremy Spencer bought it. And That's probably true. It's a, uh, it had the switch. No, we, we, we went there in 1968 for the first time. We were there for about six weeks. We were in San Francisco, and in Oakland was this, and Jerry Garcia took Peter and I to this big guitar warehouse, and I was looking for something to use for slide, and that, I tried umpteen guitars, not one suited. I just couldn't find something that felt right. And I thought, I'll just get myself a Strat, just because I want to play, the, play a Stratocaster, you know. And there was one there, which I took to, uh, which had the, the, the pickup selector, 
in a funny place. Nice. Is right near the volume. Computer. That's what he said. Yes. It was right in front. Uh, well, you know, um, on in near the, you know, the what do you call it? The the, the bottom horn near the. It was in a different place, and people have have questioned me about that because I've seen photos of it. That couldn't have been a strat. I said yes, it was. You know. And they think because Strats never made it with the with this pickup selector. For some reason, that one they did. Precisely, that's the guitar. Well, yeah, I did. I, that's when I bought that in '67, August '67, uh, in July. In July. That's fantastic. He was he went back to buy it, and it was gone. <laughs> <laughs> it was in its case, in, a, in in the old you know the old beige case, you know. And a, Paid hundred and twenty dollars for it. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I, uh, nobody wanted Strats then until they saw Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic! He'll just die when I tell him. Uh, you know. Well, it's true. That's the one I did. You know, and I have not seen a Strat with. I haven't. That, that Strat went a long time ago. Somebody nailed it up and. But I have a Mexican strap now, you know, I use for just regular lead stuff and just backing stuff I'm doing. But, um, and it's very good. In actual fact, I prefer it to that one, strangely enough. You know, some of the Mexican, the newer ones aren't too bad. No, I I, I, I used on the one recording, I used a Mexican telecast and, the, and I said, look, just get me a Mexican one. They said, why? I said, because, I said, don't you want to try? I said, look. Every time I picked up a Mexican Fender, Strat, or Telly, I'm fine with it, whatever shop I've been in, you know? So I don't need to go along and try it, just get it and then we use it. It's really and, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, when we were there, we lived there in Ensenada for a while, my wife and I. And uh, just not far down the road was the Fender Mexican Stratocaster um, factory. And Eric Clapton apparently at that time part owned it with a Lebanese fellow, and uh, and that's and I had tried Mexican strats before that, and I thought, well, if he and they said, you know, we went there and visited there, and they said, oh yes, Mr. Clapton comes by and he checks and he looks at them, and you know, and uh, and I thought, well, that's the secret, you know, he's. He's been there just checking the prototypes and he's, oh, it feels good, you know. I don't know if he still is involved in it, but that's what they told us. Wow. That was back in the early 90s. No, 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 sorry. That was the mid, mid late 90s, sorry. Late, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, so no wonder he was getting the pick of the litter, yeah? <laughs> well, that must have been us for some reason. I mean, he must have had a finger in that pie, you know. Yeah, that's pretty smart, actually. Mm-hmm. That's pretty and awesome. Then when we were in Amsterdam, in, in uh, Copenhagen, I did some gigs there with the Norwegian blues team. And I went to a guitar shop and I said, oh, you've got Mexican, Mexican Fenders here. He goes, that's all I stock, you know. I said, oh, he's They're also very, very good. And um, I said, well, you, I, I, I said, there's a secret to that, but I didn't think I told him. I said, there's a secret to that. He said, well, I said, what's your secret? What do you think the secret is? He said, well, he's been to the Fender Stratocaster in Sonata. He said, they're so excited about their product. The way they work, they have a real, they really 
glory in their task or this sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, probably is part of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's great. Yes, I find strats kind of work pretty well. I have a strat that works pretty well. It's a Mexican. It's the 60th anniversary. I bought it sight unseen as well. Um, what? I have the 60th anniversary strat that was, I think, made okay. in Mexico. And it, I, I didn't, I bought it sight unseen. I just, I needed a strat to set up for slide. And I said, well, you know, it, if Sonny does it, <laughs> so, yeah. maybe, um, the, maybe so, this will work. Well, do you, do you like the, the, the thing I did try using the, you know, I think it was a video of me using it, using it in Detroit. I used the strat there for the slide, you know. But do you have to fatten up the amp too much to get yeah. the, to compensate for the, the thin tone, you know, you have to, yeah. to overdo the overdrive and I don't like to do that. That's the thing, yeah. I, I actually ended up putting um, a strat size humbucker in the bridge. That helped a little bit. It's a nice contrast between the bridge and the neck pickup, but it's not perfect. Um, you know, and I, I have another another parts caster that I actually put together myself, but I had the, there's these fellows here in London, Mojo Pickups. Um, they're great. They make all these vintage, uh, based pickups and they, they made a, um, a Supro. They make a Supro lap pickup, um, that you can put in strats and, or anything really. Um, and I put that in another parts caster and then a Tysco in the neck. That's pretty good because at least when you set the amp it's you don't have to, you know you set it and that's it you know between the two pickups you get different colors but the volume doesn't go up and down too much or the bass yes, yes. Uh, i don't know if you have you seen, i don't know many well what i've seen of the guitarist using i i like the strat as it is as a sound but i noticed that that with, with them um, guitars I've seen use them, they tend to have to have a lot of artillery with them. Everything to kind of get something that that really, is, I don't think the Strat was made to give, you know? It's interesting because people kind of, uh, it, it seems to me, and, and I'm a Strat fan, but people seem to get blinded to the fact that they're adding all this crap together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's because it's a Strat, but then if you stood back and looked at it and went, I'm playing through all this bloody stuff. Why am I doing that? You know, to get to that sound, you know? Um, so yeah, I guess it's part of the image and myth, but, but they're good. They're good for what they do just by themselves. But, but you're right for slide. It, I, I'm starting to, that's why the P90s, you know? Yes. Yeah. It's, I, I like the, I like the warmth, you know, the, and that's why I'm finding a, a good amp to mix to go with that. What, what are you using for amps? Well, I, I have a what I try to get a hold of is is, is possibly a, an orange tube. You know, they have a creamy, warm tone, and I have a 15, 15 inch one here, a little one that I use for that 
tilted that around sometimes. And it's been very, very, very good for, and you just like it, you know. You know. Um, but it has that nice, in, you know, you just, it does what you want, what I want, you know. <laughs> uh, but I have a hard time with fenders. I mean, they, people say, oh, we'll get you a fender, um, whatever, you know, and I go, oh, please, no, I, I have to, I have to cut, if I cut, I have to cut all the treble, I have to do, try to do everything, and then, it's, then it sounds like mud, and just can't seem to get it, you know. I, uh, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I switched over. <laughs> There's this amazing amp builder in Cambridge um, called uh, Peter Hampstead. And he makes this 12-inch um, uh, combo with EL34s. And it's 20 watts instead of 40. You know, normally an EL34 tube has got to be like 40 watts or more. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And that's just, that's brutal. He makes a 20 watt and it's got also a triode switch so you can bring it down quite a bit and make it to like 5 amp instead of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. fantastic. It's the most beautiful sounding amp and, and I've been searching for 30 years and um, it's not cheap. <laughs> it's, oh, those, those were called Mookie Camps, right? Oof, oof. It was. They can pay for a boutique with what they charge. <laughs> um, well, what I've taken around was the, got to know the, the guy who made them because he made, he stopped us with borrowing jams back in the 60s, in the 60s, with Mac. And we stopped using them and it was, it broke its heart. But then I got to try this tube amp and this little tube, 15 inch in Switzerland, in a shop. And, I, and the, the girl, the assistant there was hearing me play. She said, I think I know what you're looking for. And um, I said, she said, we have an orange, 15 inch, 15 inch tube. I said, orange, no thank you, you know. <laughs> and I know what you're thinking, look, try it. And I did, and I went, wow. I said, are you in touch? Is he still around? Is he still alive? The guy makes oh yeah, Cliff Cooper. So I got in touch with him on the phone right there. He said, I'm so glad you like it. He said, oh, we, you know, you, you guys broke our hearts when you didn't use our equipment back in the 60s. Well, you do, you know. <laughs> well, I did this thing with the, he had some technical word he'd use for the valves and everything. Um, I said, well, whatever it is that you've done, he said, look, I want to send you Tiny Terror. He was making the Tiny Terror. And I thought, oh, he said, you just stick that on any speaker. You can cut. It's easy to tote around. Um, it's just the top, you know, it's the same amount, it's the same as the power as the 15. And you can drop it down to, I think, 7 watts if you need, but you have to switch, you know, like the thing you're talking about there. And I found that was really excellent, you know. Wow, you that's know? great. That's all you need then, yeah. The, thing, the only thing that's missing, and I think that's a bit of a mistake, is an output in the back to go direct if you need be, and a reverb. But, of course, they make ones with reverb. Uh, you know, I can't tell you what an honor this was and how much I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. It, it means the world to me because you, okay. you're, you're one Good. of my heroes. And I, it's just well, I'm glad you brought what you need. I do. Thank you. So thanks to Jeremy Spencer and his wife, Dorothea. Um, it was superb.
talking to him. I got a lot out of that, and I hope you did too. Um, so that'll conclude episode 12. We're up to 12. Um, we've got a lot coming in the uh, upcoming episodes. Uh, I've got a ton recorded, so it's just a matter of when I can get around to editing them all. So I'm trying to make them as uh, smooth and, and nice as possible uh, so it's easier to listen to. But um, we've got some really, really great ones coming up. Danny Flowers, uh, Freddie Holm from Norway, Mike Brenner from Philadelphia, from the uh, Jason Molina days, and VM Bot and Salil Bot. There's just a lot to come, a lot of stuff, and I think you're going to really dig it if you're into slide guitar. So thanks again for joining me with the slide area. This is Ed Pedersen signing off till next time. Take care.